episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this special bonus Ask an Expert episode, I am joined by Dr. Liz Dawes-Higgs. A recipient of the Shearing Plough Award for her laboratory-based research, Dr. Dawes-Higgs is the New South Wales State Examiner on the National Examiner's Committee for the Australasian College of Dermatologists and has a particular interest in women's skin health. This in mind, I felt that Dr. Dawes-Higgs was the ideal doctor to answer your questions on this episode's rather specific topic, scarring, from C-section and endometriosis scars to those from surgery, injury and even piercings. Away from our regular brand founder conversations, I am asked so many highly specific questions about the skin. Now, given that I am an educated consumer and by no means an expert, it would be highly unethical for me to even attempt to address your skin concerns, which is why I insist on taking those questions to a medical doctor. This Ask an Expert series is giving you, the Glow Journal audience, unprecedented access to medical doctors, professors and dermatologists. And while the series is sponsored by Candela Medical, doctors legally and ethically have to remain completely objective in interviews like this. For this reason, this series is giving you, the listeners, completely unbiased expert answers to your most specific skin questions, questions that I just cannot answer myself. As mentioned, this episode is sponsored by Candela Medical. However, all of Dr. Dawes Higgs's views are entirely her own, and as per any interview with a doctor, you will hear absolutely no specific product recommendations throughout this interview. As has become protocol, this interview was recorded remotely, with myself in Melbourne and Dr. Dawes Higgs in Sydney. I am still very much committed to bringing you the answers to your questions, however, despite current constraints. So I have made the entire episode transcript available on glowjournal.com so you can read the answers to your questions should you wish to. To find this transcript, simply visit glowjournal.com and search Candela Medical. In this episode, we've taken the questions you submitted on scars to Dr. Dawes Higgs. From how to treat C-section scars as compared to endometriosis incisions and how to treat facial scarring as opposed to scars on the body through to scars from injury, surgery, piercings and stretch marks. Firstly, I am so, so thrilled to be talking with you about this because the feedback from my audience has been that it is so difficult to find specific information on scarring. So hopefully we can help a few people out today. This in mind, I was sent so many really specific questions about different forms of scars. So I thought we might start quite broad and then hone right in. So firstly, Mm-hmm. What actually is a scar? Why do we see scars and what is happening to or within our skin when it produces a scar? Okay. So a scar is this amazing evolutionary sort of defense mechanism that we have developed to protect our internal organs if we injure ourselves. And you can imagine, you know, you're running around in the, um, you, you know, um, and you've, you've traumatize yourself if 
if you have an open wound for a long time, you run the risk of infection and the external environment coming internally, and that's not what we want. So it's this stopgap measure that, that, that humans have come up with to protect our internal organs. And some of it is good and some of it is not so good, but it's what we have. Mm-hmm. Is it ever too late to reduce the appearance of a scar? It's it's never too late, but the earlier you get a scar, the better. And if you know that you're going to get a scar, say if you've got a planned procedure, then, you know, if you can try and prevent and look after that wound, um, really get your skin in good condition before you go into surgery, that's the best thing. But you can you can still treat scars later on but you're not doing as good a job as if you were getting it really early on. Well, I think based on that, I know the answer to this next one, which is do fresh scars need to be treated differently to scars that are, say, several years old? Absolutely. There's, and, you know, when you look at treatment for scars, there are so many and some are great at the beginning, some are great at the end of of wound healing and it really depends on what sort of scar, where it is, how old it is, what caused it and you can really tailor your approach to scar treatment based on especially how old it is. Amazing. I would love to start the audience questions with surgical scarring. One listener has asked to tape or not to tape. So before we answer that, Mm. what does taping a scar do? Okay, so taping a scar involves literally getting a bit of sticky, whatever it is, um, preferably, you know, a nice clean um, wound dressing that you buy from a chemist not just your average everyday sticky tape. <laughs> yep, we're not getting masking tape. <laughs> we're not getting door. masking tape and we're not going to get an infection in there. And you literally pull the wound edges together. And that's what um, that's what sutures do, mm-hmm. is they're bringing the edges closer together so that you get a thinner scar, you get a scar that, that heals up quicker and it takes the tension off. Because once you get tension in a scar, it tends to heap up a little bit and it goes redder, it, it goes thicker, it, it raises up off the skin and you can feel it. So that's what taping does. Um, but it can also, if you have the right tape, can also add a little bit of moisture into the wound as well. Because you want to keep your wound nice and nice and moist. You don't want to let it dry out. But the main thing is it's taking tension off the wound. Okay, so great. That's a yes to tape. How long mm. do we need to tape for? Well, this is interesting, isn't it? And it depends on what your scar is because a say if it's um, an incision, so just a straight line scar, it's a, a, a surgical scar or it's, it, it, even a traumatic knife wound is a straight, can be a straight scar. You're taping it to bring those edges together but even when those edges are together, you know, a week down the track, you've only got about 3% of your, of your skin strength back. Mm-hmm. Two weeks down the track, say if you get stitches put in and you get your stitches out two weeks later, 
you've got something like 20% of your wound strength back. So you think when you wow. go to get your, yeah, when you get your sutures out, you think, oh, everything's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. And in fact, you've only got 20% left of, you know, of your, of your strength back. So you've got to take the, that scar for a good three months. And at three months, you've only got 80% of your wound strength back. God. Mm, it's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time to be sticking those edges together. But I guess worth it. I mean, if we're if we're able to bring it back to close to its yeah, full strength, absolutely. It's what you do to a scar. Um, uh, say after you've the, the scar is what it is. You've got it. There's nothing you can do to take it away. But it's how you look after it in those first three months. And if you strap it and you take the tension off, and you don't go do things like um, silly things like you know start start doing an exercise that pulls that that pulls that skin apart you know you're going to do your your, your tummy crunches and you you know and you're pulling that apart that's gonna that that's it doesn't matter how much strapping you do you're going to pull it apart and that stretch does not look so good the scar when it's stretched it's stretched that you know it's really hard to undo that so you want to strap it you want to keep it free of an infection um you want to keep it nice and moist all of those things really help to get the best possible scar it's all the things that we're told isn't it and i feel like there's this temptation you start to see a tiny bit of an improvement this can be in anything and then you think oh perfect i can just go about my life as usual absolutely but you you know that's where that that 3%, 20%, 80% 3%, 20%, 80% comes in because you're three months down the track and you still haven't got full strength back. Mm. So every day counts. Unreal. A large number of readers and listeners have submitted questions regarding C-section scars. What, mm. what is the best way to yep. go about treating those? Yep, and here goes those crunches. Yes. <laughs> those tummy crunches. Um, look, Caesar scars are really common. They're really, really common. And the thing with that is you've got to take the tension off. Um, the scar has to be aligned in a certain way and we leave that up to the obstetricians to, to do that. They generally heal up reasonably well. Some of them become a little bit heaped up they get red and they get heaped up what we call a hypertrophic scar uh, if you have a tendency to a keloid scar you could you you could develop a keloid scar in that area but generally they heal up really well and they do flatten out but it does take years it takes a year or two years to to heal you know to really um repair itself but they're very common so would we be looking at trying to heal that topically or would we is laser the best option where do we start I I think you just throw everything at it, to be honest. Yeah. You do everything that we've already spoken about. You use moisturisers. You can use a topical retinoid, so there are other topical things. And then you get in there really quickly with a um, laser. So the quicker you can get a laser in there, the better. Now, the Caesar scars are usually quite red, and so they respond really well to a red laser, what we call a vascular or pulse dye laser. And they are really the gold standard to get the redness out of it. And you can, you know, they're, they're not difficult to have um, done. It's, it's a quick and easy sort of procedure for you to have done. It makes it a little bit redder in the beginning, and then that calms down. And it's really trying to stop the um those blood vessels that have come in there just to try and 
dampen that redness down. And then pretty soon after that, you can start with um, an ablative laser as well to try and calm that scar down and stop it from heaping up. I also received many, many questions regarding scars from endometriosis surgery. Mm. How are those scars best treated? So this slightly different. So a Caesar scar tends to be really long and um, takes quite a long time to settle down, because, really because of the length of it, and it's really obvious. A, a scar from an endometriosis procedure, so we call that a laparoscopic procedure, so that's like a keyhole surgery. They tend to be really small because they're just allowing a very small instrument to go into the abdomen and blow up the abdomen you know, with a bit of gas so you can see where that endometriosis is. And so they tend to be small and they do in general heal up pretty well, pretty well. So if you can keep them infection free, if you can strap them. The other thing we haven't spoken about is uh, silicon sheeting, which is great for these sorts oh, of scars because yeah. they're small and silicon gels. Because these scars are small, it's much easier and they're on your tummy so you can, um, you can, you know, you can hide these uh, gel sheets quite easily and you put those over the scars and the silicon does it works in a few ways but one of them is to keep that area nice and moist um, allow the scar to breathe and get a little bit more oxygen to heal up a little bit better so that's that's another thing that you can use for those sorts of scars a bit easier okay. uh, to, to keep that sheeting you know to stick one listener has asked about reducing recurring scars, specifically uh, her endometriosis incisions. Firstly, mm. why are some scars recurring? And secondly, how should those be treated? Okay. So I suppose I'd, I'd need a bit more information mm. about a recurring scar because, see, a scar is a scar and if it recurs, then... It's, or it's getting worse, then really it's a keloid scar. So a okay. keloid scar is something that um, you're doing, you're doing a, you know, too good a job in a way, but it's, it's, it's te tends to occur in darker skinned individuals and so teens and those in their 20s, people in their 20s tend to develop these sorts of scars. And it's not that they recur, it's just that they keep getting worse. Right. I so I'm not sure if that's what they're talking about, but a recurring scar would be presumably um, it's 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 been treated and then it's looking worse. And I suppose if it's been treated and it's looking worse, and it's 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 had some extra damage to it, whether that's um, whether that's another procedure's gone into the same hole, because often a surgeon will use the same hole to try and minimise the number of scars, or um, you've damaged it in some way. You've you've you know, you've you've opened it up, or you've you've pulled it apart early on, but otherwise, it, I, I presume she's talking about a keloid, which is more of a rather than a recurring. It's just it's getting worse. Yeah, that would I assume that's what it is. Thinking that it's yeah, it's on the mend, and then surprise, no, it is not. Yeah, well, it's a good it's a good time to sort of distinguish between what's a hypertrophic and what's a keloid yeah, scar sure. in play here because a keloid scar like i said it's one that just keeps going and it it goes beyond where that original wound was where 
and it tends not to get better and it's really, really hard to treat. And you often have a family member who's developed a keloid scar or, or you personally have had a keloid scar and usually sort of around your shoulder, chest area, your neck, or, you know, you, you might've seen someone in the street with a big um, keloid scar on their ear because they occur where you get your ear piercing. Whereas a hypertrophic scar is more, it stays in the area of the wound and it doesn't get any bigger it doesn't it doesn't expand beyond that original injury um and and that's the one where you're doing a great job of of healing up and producing the scar but you're just doing too good a job and your body doesn't know how to turn itself off and it just doesn't really sort of turn itself off and then eventually it, it sort of does and it and it can get a little bit better but a keloid scar just they can't you can't turn that process off well, okay, now that we're on keloid scars mm. and you've mentioned um, ear piercings, I actually had yeah. a listener ask um, how to treat keloid scars from piercings. Yes. So is it possible to treat these? It is possible to treat them. You can make a difference. Mm-hmm. It's worth doing. It's certainly worth doing. So this is where you have your um, ears pierced and it, usually you get your ears pierced when you're younger, which is the prime time to, to develop keloid scars. It's your biggest risk and it's occurring in an area where you tend to keloid scar. And so it's this sort of collision of all these really, you know, terrible things all coming in together and suddenly you've got a, you know, a keloid scar on your ear. And often you think, oh, look, you could just cut it out, but you cut it out and it just grows back. And so you can't really cut it out. Um, And so it's very hard to treat, but you can. And what you can do is you can actually start again by cutting it out, but then suddenly putting some pressure on. So you're trying to stop it from growing back or, and you're injecting it with these anti-inflammatories and, and trying to stop it from forming in the beginning, but they can be a bit difficult to treat, but basically essentially you're putting pressure on them. That's your, your main thing. And they, there's lots of little um, devices where, that, they, they, you know, it's like a little earring that puts pressure on that ear and tries to stop that keloid from starting up. Okay. Mm. I had another listener ask about treating keloid scarring post, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, mm-hmm. colposcopy? Yes. Would that be treated okay. differently to what we've just discussed? No, it's very similar. Okay. It's very, very similar. So um, it, you're, you're, you're literally, you know, it's, and, and these, these scars as well, they're, they're painful, they're tender, they're itchy. You know, you want to get them treated even if you, even if you like the look of them. You're still, you're still seeking treatment because they can be quite, quite uncomfortable. And essentially it's, it's pressure again. It's trying to sort it out before it develops. One listener has asked about uh, reducing scarring on the face from, I've got all the technical terms here, mm-hmm. from a diathermy skin lesion removal. What would be the best way okay. to remove a scar of that nature? Okay. So the scar from a diathermy, I presume that sort of they've developed a flat sort of scar and scars come in three types. It's, it's, they're rather flat they're indented or they're raised above the skin. And often with those sorts of procedures, 
you get a flat white scar. If it's if it's dented in, you're going to need to fill it up. If it's flat, you're just going to try and get the look of it better, and that's with scarring again. The 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 lasers, the CO two laser, um, is a is a great laser because it it puts little thermal. You're basically causing another injury to it, yep. which sounds really brave, doesn't it? Whoever whoever developed that was a very brave person. They're injuring an injury to try and get it better. Like who who would think to do that? Anyway, what they're doing, what the ablative lasers do is they're, they're literally putting a, a column of heat down into the skin and injuring that skin, creating another another wound to heal up, but heal up in a more controlled manner. And so they can work very well as well uh, in those sorts of scars because the face and coming back to the silicon sheeting is it's very hard to put a, you know, a piece of, you know, silicon sheeting over your face and walk around. So that's why we've got lots of options for scarring because certain places it's easy, other places it's not so easy. It's difficult, um, you know, on your face to put something on 24 hours a day. While we are talking about facial scarring, I had a reader mm. ask about topical treatments to reduce yes. surgical scarring on her face and on her neck as she doesn't love the idea of laser treatment on the face. What would yes. you recommend? Are there any particular topical ingredients that she should be looking out for? There are. There's there's quite a few topical ingredients and these are best applied uh, at the beginning mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, right in the beginning, a, a moisturiser, keeping that skin moist, not letting it dry out um, can be a real benefit. There are some topicals that you can use a little bit later on. So after you've got a nice covering over the wound, you can use creams that are based on vitamin A and they're things like retinoids, uh, retinol, they tend to have anti-inflammatory and and skin controlling mechanisms where they help to um, allow the scar to to heal up in a more organized way and so they're quite they're quite useful as well there's there's some newer things that are coming out and um, uh, you know and some other other sort of um, components like you know onion extract and 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 those sorts of things and then there's the old-fashioned vitamin e um as as long as you keep basically you're keeping it moist and you're keeping it hydrated that's that's one of the main things while we're still on the face i've had one listener tell me that she has a scar on her lip following having stitches removed about a year ago she says that the scar isn't visible quote unquote but it has formed a lump so is there anything that she can do to minimize the size and the appearance of that lump right um massage that's what we haven't spoken Ah, about okay yes we could talk about massage you see because you see she can't see that um and so the other treatment options that we've spoken about really address the aesthetic side Mm. of it massage helps with the with the thickness of it and so as soon as you get your sutures out um, you can start to massage and massaging breaks down 
that scar and it also stops if it's a really deep wound it can stop your skin from tethering deeper down and 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 sort of anchoring it down so massage is a really really good option here and the way she would do that is to literally three times a day for 10 minutes firm pressure grab the lump and and between her thumb and her forefinger um sort of rotate and just give it a good good um massage and using a bit of moisturiser as well at the time helps. God, she'll be happy to hear that. I was expecting that the treatment would be something expensive and time-consuming. No, I know. That's <laughs> Cheap and cheerful. I would love to discuss scars from injury because I feel like this is something a lot of people can, um, can relate to. One listener yes. tells me that she has a very dark scar on her shin from tripping up a flight of stairs, which I think everyone has done at some point or another. How yes. should she look to treat this? Okay. So traumatic scars are quite different to surgical scars. I actually treat quite a lot of traumatic scars. Mm -hmm. And there's the old saying, every scar tells a story. And with traumatic scars, you don't necessarily want that story retold, which is quite different to surgical scars. So when we're talking about improving a scar, it's not just the aesthetics, it's about the story behind Mm -hmm. it. And I think that's very important with a traumatic um, scar of 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 any any or you know of any um, um, a, 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 any activity. Um, so you're treating two things now with with those sorts of scars. In this case, when the scar is brown, you can try to decolor the scar. And when you decolor the scar, you you're making it less. Um, you, you're trying to just bring it back to the colour of the of of that person's normal skin. So I'm presuming that the scar is darker than their normal skin colour. So you're just trying to lighten it down to the to the level of their skin, and then you can you know camouflage it. You can use tanning products, all those sorts of things to just go over the top of it and just smooth it out a little bit more. And there are some creams. The the vitamin A-based creams can help with pigmentation, hydroquinone preparations. You often need to get those compounded together. So you're using those both at the same time. And that involves seeing a doctor because you do need a script for those. Um, Those two products, tranexamic acid helps as well with um, you know, in combination with the retinoids and hydroquinone to try and decolor. But if the color is due to gravel or a foreign body, then there's not much that's going to take that out, unfortunately. And some people opt to get that cut out if it's a if it's a if it's a problem. But that's where that's where looking after the scar in the very beginning. So when that trauma occurs, those first few days are so important is keeping that wound clean, getting rid of any foreign material, going on antibiotics if it's appropriate, you know, if it's a dirty wound that's occurred, all of those sorts of things can really, really help. So go to the doctor. That's, mm. that's that one. Well, you know, that's very true. And, and, a, and a scar that sometimes when I see a scar, it's that somebody, you know, that's not, 
great. It's that that's, that wound has been left for too long before they've sought medical help. And it could have been sutured up earlier. It could have been realigned in a, you know, in a better way and, and, and part of it removed and, and pushed into another direction. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit like, um, this is lovely analogy, actually, if you've got time. Absolutely. Yeah. It's this, it's, if you, you know, if you've got a, you've got a house and you've got, you know, your roof tiles on your house and a storm comes along and your tiles, you know, a, a section of your roof sort of blows off. And that's what, that's what's happened is there's, there's some sort of injury and, and part of these tiles have blown off and suddenly you've got all this rain piling in through your house. And so you put this tarpaulin over and that's, that's your clot, right? That's, that's your immediate go-to. That's so not picking at that clot, not trying to remove that, you know, that scab yeah. that comes not removing that, those sorts of things, keeping it as clean as possible. So you get your tarpaulin over, but you know that's just your immediate stopgap, right? And then you've got to try and get the best-looking tile to fit the other tiles that are on, on that roof, you know, and they're never going to look the same. But you can try and get the closest match you possibly can, and it's all in that initial period. That's a great analogy. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I'm thrilled <laughs> with that. A very different type of scar, and I don't even, I'm not even sure that it is deemed a scar, but I received so many questions about stretch marks. Now, I think it's super Ooh. important to note. Super. Yeah, I don't think anyone should feel pressured to remove or to treat stretch marks because they're they're so normal and they're just a fact of life at this point but I do know that a lot of people want to get rid of them um, just for themselves and just to make them feel that bit more confident so that in mind what is the best way to treat and reduce the appearance of stretch marks yeah and and I would agree with everything that you've said there the stretch marks they are very very common and you could call them normal um, yep. and, but having said that, some people still do seek treatment for the stretch marks because they would like, you know, they, they're a little self-conscious of them and that's okay. And um, if somebody is seeking treatment, they would like to be helped. And so some of the help that you can get with the stretch marks are um Again, uh, depending on what they look like. So, you know, some of those stretch marks are quite red. If they're yep. red, you can have a vascular laser. Again, that pulse dye laser, great for taking out those those broken capillaries. Um, if they're white, that usually means they've been there for a, a little bit longer. And what you can look to do there again is laser. Uh, the combination of those two lasers is is quite good it's like one plus one equals three Uh, yeah that's right and so that you try to improve the not just the color but the texture of them and uh, that's the that's the main thing and also trying to again prevent trying to look at how you know what happened here is there anything that i need to address you know do i have any other medical condition that i need to see an endocrinologist for um you know there are some some conditions that that um, lead to more of these than others. Um, you know, have I been, uh, you know, changing my weight too, too drastically can, can do that as well. And, of course, we know pregnancy can do it. Bodybuilders tend to get them a lot. And, 
I don't know if anybody's seen, if anyone's got um, kids in the audience, they might see, particularly in boys, when they go through a really quick growth spurt, they get what looks like a strap mark or, a, you know, that they've been um, beaten on their back. There's these lines and these are stretch marks. Literally, the kid has grown so quickly that the skin can't keep up. Wow. And... The, and and it looks like somebody's somebody's beaten them, but they're they're the skin stretched, and they're they're stretch marks as well, and and they're often quite red. They can be treated with a red laser, but they're very common, and it really depends on how much they bother you as to you know what you want to undertake to improve them, and and if you can prevent them, that's always that's always good. So would stretch marks on different areas of the body need to be treated differently, say stretch marks on the stomach compared to, say, stretch marks on the breasts? Not necessarily. It's all a stretch mark is literally the skin has torn. It's like getting a piece of paper, you've ripped it apart and you're trying to get that sticky tape and stick it all back together again, you know. Um, So not really, except one thing is that if if there's a bit of weight so to speak. So with the breast, there's there's the soft tissue of the breast as a as a weight that can stretch the skin a little bit more and make it a um, bit more difficult to treat. So a good fitting bra can can stop that skin from stretching. That would be the only thing. But otherwise, a stretch mark is a stretch mark. It doesn't matter where it is on on the body. While we are on uh, different parts of the body, I've had a listener ask about a raised scar on the palm of her hand. Mm-hmm. Do different areas of the body, something like the hand that we're obviously using all the time, would yeah. that need to be treated differently to a raised scar elsewhere or is the treatment pretty uniform? Uh, it would be very case specific and site specific because like you're saying if it's on the hand and you're using the hand say 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 it's on the right hand and they're right-handed it can be very difficult to to um you know undergo the normal activities of of daily living where you can't hold a pen because that scar is 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 tight and that's what comes down to uh, sometimes burn scars on the hands because the yeah. burn contracts and it pulls in your hand and so you can't actually stretch out your fingers anymore and so treatment you you might not worry about the look of it but the treatment in that case is for functional improvement you're trying to stretch that skin out a little bit more so you can open and close your hand so there is a difference in that way to 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 treatment and depending on the site and it comes down to function what function you know have i lost so scarring and that's where um you know if you know that you're going to get a scar a, a good plastic surgeon is going to orientate that scar in a in a way that is not going to be a functional problem so they'll try and avoid putting a scar over a joint you know that has to move all the time those sorts of things you mentioned having a white scar earlier and this was a question that I found particularly interesting a reader tells me that she has a white scar on her skin following the removal of seborrheic keratosis Mm -hmm. via laser yeah why do we sometimes see that white scarring and can this be treated um scars the a scar as it gets older goes white it just doesn't have the color Ah. cells yeah it doesn't have the color cells and it depends on what your 
normal background skin color is depending on how much that will bother you so if you have a lighter skin tone and you have a white scar you may not be able to see it so much if you have a darker skin type and you get a a whiter scar then that will um that will look more obvious and the the color disparity again can be improved with with lasers and sometimes you just physically have to camouflage them up and so you're using uh, special grade makeup or fake tan um, those sorts of things is there anything that can be done to reduce chickenpox scarring yeah chickenpox scarring Again, it's so common. Chickenpox. I've got one myself. I've same. got a hole on my face. Yes, yeah, same. It's like it's it's a badge of honour, isn't it? That you... I think so. <laughs> yeah, same. And the trouble with chickenpox scars are that they tend to be the ones that dent in, yep. and yeah, and, and if you've got a few of them, then you 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 know you really notice them all. And so, what you do with those, and this is something we haven't. Um, spoken about is when you have those scars that dent in you really got to fill them up and so you can use fillers to to literally try and bring that scar up you can use there is another procedure which is a an you actually put acid and and again whoever whoever first thought of that is a brave individual you know you're, you're scarring a scar and so you're putting um really strong acid at the base of the scar to try and contract it up and pull it up um, or you you cut it out or you 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 literally um, sort of punch around the side to see if you can't pop it out those those sorts of things you, you, you or, or you go in there and you cut the the tether the, the 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 anchor that's anchoring that scar down and you cut the base of it right underneath the scar so that you gently lift it up so you've you've got to you've got to get the scar lifted up basically for those ones because they're dented in Mm, I don't think I'll ever do anything about mine. It's just it's just going to live there forever. And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I received a few questions about scarring and the health of the skin, which I think is a really nice way to kind of wrap up because you have yes. brought it back several times to the health of the skin and why it's so important that we are you know, yes. treating the skin ideally beforehand, yes. before we have a scar. Yep. One listener has asked, is there any correlation between scarring and dry skin? I had an operation in April and was left with a scar and I have experienced dryness in the skin ever since. Right. Um, dryness around the scar, I presume. Yes. Yep. So when you have a scar, it, dis it disrupts all of the glands it disrupts the little tiny nerves the little tiny blood vessels that are coming into the skin there and they've all been repaired but they don't go back to normal and so i presume what's happened here is somewhere along the lines the oil glands have become have have been damaged as well just into that area that's that's the problem so moisturizer um, will help and just Going back to the health of the skin, if you know you're going to have a, a procedure that's that's um, 
that's going to leave a scar, it's going in with the healthiest skin you possibly can. And that's external and internal, a good diet, you know, a diet with lots of, lots of fruit and vegetables, um, really looking after yourself, using lots of moisturiser, not having a tan, so using a sunscreen beforehand, uh, all of those things, just going in with good, the best skin health that you possibly can. Thank you for mentioning sunscreen. I'm known mm. as an, an SPF bully amongst my yes. um, friends and family, which, you know, I'm, I'm happy to take that title. I'm loving it. <laughs> Finally, actually on that note, a reader asks, are you more likely to develop skin cancers in scars than in healthy skin? Well, that's such a great question because you can get skin cancers in areas where the cells are rapidly turning over um, because they, they lose their way. They stop communicating to each other correctly. And then it's just a, another step to then go off track and become a skin cancer. Um, but you can also get, you can also get skin cancers that look like scars. So there's a, a, a type of a basal cell carcinoma that, that we call sclerosing basal cell carcinoma because it looks just like a scar and you can get, you could say have had a skin cancer in the past and maybe it wasn't treated correctly or another one comes up just on the side and it grows into a scar and it looks like the, the you know, there's a, a skin cancer in the scar and the whole thing has to be cut out. So, yes, theoretically you can. It's probably not very common, um, but and it can occur the other way. You can get skin cancers that look like scars. Is Dr. Liz Dawes Hicks of Northern Sydney Dermatology and Laser, who you can find on Instagram at Oz Dermatologist. You can discover more about Candela Medical, including the laser treatments I personally rely on and am counting down to be able to enjoy again soon at candelamedical.com forward slash au or on Instagram at candelamedicalanz. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.